I just want to start out by telling you that uh, God's nature towards his people is to be a God that bestows loving kindness on them. Say, he is a loving God. To build a, a foundation for this message, I want to turn back to scriptures uh, such as Romans 5.8. And if you want the full teaching on this introduction, uh, we did this on Wednesday night. But Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Say it, he demonstrates. Shout that out again. He demonstrates his love. In 1 John chapter 4, Seven and eight, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is what? His very essence is love. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I mean, when's the last time you thought about God loving you so much that he rejoices over you with singing? Turn to somebody and tell them, he's not mad at you. He doesn't hate you. He loves you deeply. Jeremiah 31.3, I've loved you with an everlasting love. That's a good place to shout. I have drawn you with loving kindness, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Isaiah 54.10 is one of my favorite scriptures that illustrate his love for us. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. I mean, think about that. Not only is God's love for you today, God's love is forever. Amen. Glory to God. Then in Romans 8, verse 37, many of you are familiar with this, knowing all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. Why are you a winner? Why are you a champion? Why are you a conqueror? Because he loves you. Turn to somebody and tell them, somebody loves you. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That in Ephesians chapter 2, 4 and 5, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And who can forget John 3, 16? Occasionally you should just go back and put your eyes on it and not just say, well, I know that, I heard that. You say, everybody knows John 3, 16. When Tim Tebow played college for Florida, he used to uh, paint his, his eyes black and he wrote John 3, 16 under his eyes and the camera caught that and something like 122 million people looked it up on Google. A simple witness. That's how powerful the Word of God is. And I'm believing lots of them got saved. Amen? Amen. But you know it. For God so what? Loved the world. Come on, turn to somebody with a smile and say, He loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but have the everlasting or eternal life. Indeed, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him, the bottom line is your God demonstrates His love. He's the greatest giver of all time. Amen. You say, Pastor, why should I be a giver of my time, my talent, my treasure? I'll tell you why. Because that's what your God is. Amen. And you should want to be like Him. Amen. Not unloving, unkind, stingy. Can I have an amen? amen. 
The reason this is so important is because there's nothing more faith-building than to know that you are loved. Nothing. There's nothing more faith-building than to know that you have a personal revelation of God's nature, that He is love. That's why somehow, that's why some way, no matter what it takes, whether you have a clue or not, God is always going to come through for you. Because He loves you. Well, I'm the least of the disciples. It doesn't make any difference what you think about yourself in terms of being the least of the disciples or maybe you made mistakes. The reason He's going to come through ultimately is because He loves you. And it's so important you understand this principle that we love as people oftentimes in words. We often love in sentiments. We often love in terms of mental assent. We often, you know, love in terms of emotions or feelings. And there are words in the Bible clearly that express God's love towards us. But his primary way that God loves his people is he demonstrates it with action. He acts. It's not enough that he had big heart of compassion for us up in heaven. If he just had a feeling for us, we would still be in our sins today. He just didn't have a, a mind of love or words of love. He took action. And while we were yet sinners, he demonstrated his love. Amen? In other words, the God kind of love is, is not just no strings attached. And we understand how it's different from the, 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 you know, the fleshly kind of love and the friendly kind of love and the tit-for-tat kind of a love. We're talking about understanding what God's love is. And God's love is actionized. It's demonstrated. And therefore, our love needs to be demonstrated. It's great if you say it. It's great if you feel it. But if you don't act in the direction of love, it doesn't mean a thing. Now watch this. Say, my God shows his love by action. Say it again. My God shows his love by action. Now, many of you have heard the story of Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'm going to give you a short version today. There is a, a servant in the household of David that was originally in the household of Saul named Ziba. And David one day came to Ziba and he said, Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I can show covenant kindness to, which is the kind of love God has, in, in, in honor of the covenant I have with Jonathan? who died basically in service to that king and that covenant. Now, he said, yes, there's a man named Mephibosheth, but he's crippled and he lives over in, in Lodabar. And here's what David said. I want you to go find him and bring him back because I'm going to do something that shows him what covenant kindness is all about. For the sake of that covenant I have with Jonathan, I'm going to take that last remnant of the household of Saul and do something outstanding for him. Now watch this. What ended up happening was that David's people pursued this man and found him. Then the, the people delivered him from that situation. He was living in a place called Lodabar. Say Lodabar. How many of you know it even sounds nasty? Lodabar, no pasture, no victory, no peace, dirty, grimy, no hope, despair, discouragement, depression. 
And David's people pursued him and then delivered him from that. When he got back to David, he called himself, you know, an old dog. What do you want with an old dog like to be? Listen, a lot of people have God get them out of Lodabar. God still needs to get Lodabar out of you. I'm going to believe today that by the love of God, Lodabar is kicked out of you, per, you know, permanently. And you can see what God has for you. Turn to somebody and say, it's time to move out of Lodabar. Shout it out. It's time to get Lodabar out of me. In other words, that love pursued Mephibosheth, that love delivered Mephibosheth, and then that love absolutely restored Mephibosheth. David said, all the lands and property and goods that belong to King Saul are now Mephibosheth's. And listen carefully when I say this. The holdings that belonged to Saul at his death were vast. Just like that, a cripple out of Lodabar was restored by a God who doesn't just love with words, but loves with action. Said, he pursues me, he delivers me, and he restores me. And he's no respecter of persons. I want you to get this today. Mephibosheth had no idea that day he's going to get up for another lousy, depressed day. But this day was going to be different because that's the day the love of God showed up. And I'm prophesying to you today, the love of God is going to show up at your house. You put your confidence in the one that loves you because he's no respecter of persons. David was tempted on occasion and sinned, but on this particular case, he's a great model and example of God's loving kindness towards us. Turn to somebody and say, if he did it once, he can do it again. If you can find God doing something anywhere in Scripture, that's not just for that person. It becomes a principle. Turn to somebody and say, it was Mephibosheth then, but it's me now. And you've been pursued by God and you've restored to him and he's delivered you. But how many understand lots of us could still use some restoration in this life? Come on, say it. It's mine. He's restoring me by his love. Watch, you need restoration. You need God to move in your life and your family and your downline. You need God to do something supernatural and miraculous. It's not enough to just hear, I love you. You need the love of God demonstrated in your direction. And that's what's happening in Jesus' name. Amen. Say, he loves me. He loves me. Turn to somebody and say, he loves you. he loves you. And he'll do this for all that call upon his name. There's not a person in this room or watching online that somehow you're the exception. Say, he pursues, he delivers, and he restores. But the heart of the message today is understanding why a revelation of the love of God is so important. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, you read this scripture, and it says, Now these three remain, or abide, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is? Love. Watch this. A revelation of faith is so important in your life. A revelation of hope is so important in your life. But the greatest revelation you need is a revelation of love. How much God loves you. And I can say it and preach it and talk about it, but I can't give you that revelation. I can talk about the spirit of faith, but I can't give you a revelation of faith. I can talk about hope, but I can't give you a revelation. That comes by the Holy Spirit. Pray this out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, give me a revelation of the love of God. 
when you get it, you're going to realize that God just doesn't act with feelings and with words. He acts with action. He demonstrates his love. Are you willing for him to do that in your life? Yes. <laughs> your faith will work when you find out and discover how much God loves you. It's hard to believe God when you think he's holding out on you. It's hard to believe God when you think he loves everybody else better than you. You're just a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. But when you know how much you're loved and how much you love, then you find out just how great the, the principle of faith actually is. The Bible tells us in Galatians 5, 6 that faith works by love. Shout that out, faith works. In other words, it has energy, action, producing power, but it has to be in the revelation of the love of God. Faith works, but not without a revelation of love. Say it with my faith works by love. And that means twofold, understanding, first of all, how deeply God loves you, but also understanding how you're called to be a person that loves your, your love walk. A lot of people wonder, well, this, this faith stuff's not working for me. No, the Bible says faith works. So I either believe you or I believe the Word of God. Come on, say it. Faith works. If somebody say faith doesn't work, then they're going contrary to the Word of God. But faith won't work without love. So if you don't believe, truly believe that God loves you, and you don't choose to walk in love towards other people the way God has loved you, your faith is not going to work. You say, well, how can I tell if I'm in love or not? When you begin to cultivate and develop and, and yield to a negative, critical, biting spirit of offense, that everything is negative and nothing's ever positive, you are stepping out of love. And while you're being belligerent because nothing's working for you, that belligerence is the reason it's not working for you. I'm with Timothy. Y'all need some caffeine today. Say, it, my, faith my faith will work, will work when, I when I understand how much I'm loved. Your faith will also work when you make the decision to walk in love. Every day you're going to have opportunities to be negative, critical, biting, condescending, amen, easily offended, short, put out. And you have to decide every day that you're going to walk in the love of God. Say it with me. I walk. In the love of God. Confess that I have a revelation of God's love for me, and I choose to walk in love towards others. When that happens, there's no stopping you because faith works. Shout it out faith works. But faith works by what? Love. That same scripture tells us that flesh accounts for nothing, or flesh doesn't work. Faith works, but your flesh won't work. Make sure you grasp this principle. It's so important that you understand how much He loves you. Say, He loves me. He loves me. Say, He loves me. Turn to your neighbor and say, He loves you. Even when you're ugly, He loves you. He loves you. I have to have a revelation of God's love for me, and I have to have a commitment to treat others the same way. Today it's common that no matter what it is, uh, if you say it's up, somebody gets on social media and says it's down. 
If you say it's right, they say it's wrong. If you say it's blue, they say it's red. And you see this throughout the body of Christ. You see it throughout the world. Everybody is negative, critical, backbiting, complaining. That's not walking in the love of God. And the first place some of y'all need to be delivered from is delivered from social media. It's really interesting how it works. If I get on there and I say, I really love oranges. Some would get on there and say, well, you're a fruit racist. Don't you like apples? How come you don't like apples? And that's just how ridiculous it is. No wonder we're not seeing the kind of supernatural things we want when we're sucked into the vortex of this kind of living. Are you here today? It's, it's not going to produce anything for you if you conduct yourself that way. Another popular thing today is for everybody to become an expert in theology, an expert on ministry, and set up a YouTube channel or Facebook channel and begin to declare how everybody else is doing it wrong. And you know, it's one thing to talk about the Word and differences of opinion in terms of doctrine. It's another thing to use your platform to cut down another ministry or man or woman of God and say somehow they're going to hell and they're leading people to hell and everything they're doing is wrong. I'm telling you, it doesn't please God. And there's no love in it. And you hang around a church like ours long enough where you hear the Word of God without compromise and you believe in the things of the Spirit. Sooner or later, some crackpot's going to tell you, well, you go to that church, you know, that culty little church, you know, that, that Word of Faith place. Let me tell you something. You're going to find out that at the end of the day that the big difference between one Christian and another is not the doctrine, it's whether they love or not. Because your doctrine is worthless unless you're walking in love. I said your doctrine is worthless unless you're walking in love. Amen. Amen. You want to be marked by your love walk because you know how much you are loved. Hallelujah. And you know, the first thing all of us are going to get when we go to heaven, debriefing. <laughs> is it possible for all of us to be a little wrong on doctrine? We don't know it all, do we? Look at your neighbor and say, you don't know it all. But at least you're progressing. <laughs> say, I don't know it all. <laughs> but you're moving forward. But you can be a person when you're in that day where the Lord says, well, you know what? Your doctrine wasn't perfect, but your heart was towards being people. That is within the realm of your possibility. To master love, even if you haven't mastered doctrine. Amen. So how do you tap the love of God? So that he's pursuing and delivering and continually restoring you. Not just feelings and words, but real demonstration of his power in your life. Number one, you have to conceive the love. Say, conceive the love. What does that mean? It means you got to find out what God's love is and renew your mind to that reality, that you are loved. You need to see yourself, envision that love, fancy that love, imagine that love, realize that love, and think that love. You need to bring that thought or idea into being via your imagination. Every day you're imagining things. Every day you're imagining, most of the time, people are imagining the worst, and then you're surprised when you get it. Imagine every day that you're loved of God. 
see yourself receiving that demonstration of love through your imagination and expect it. See that being shown to you in your imagination. Remember, Happy Caldwell was visiting a particular ministry friend and this person was just blessed with a new residence and it was up on a hill like that. And, and Happy, in the early days of his ministry, looked up on the hill and he said, you know, I can't imagine having a house like that. And the person looked at him and said, well, that's okay because you never will. Why? Because you can't imagine God's demonstration of love towards you. You didn't get your imagination from hell, but a lot of people use their imagination for hell. Thinking and dwelling on things that are contrary to the Word of God. Turn to somebody and tell them, use your imagination in God's direction. In your imagination, see yourself sanctified and enjoying God's type of Mephibosheth breakthrough, that type of love that he showed him. God's still doing that for people. Faith and hope and love actually work together. Faith is being sure of what you hope for. Hope is an inner image of an eager expectation based on the Word of God. And faith works by love. You need all three of these working together. If you're going to develop and cultivate a revelation of how much God loves you, you're going to have to renew your mind. You're going to have to begin to take control and dominate that, that part of you where you imagine things. Imagine that he really does love you. Imagine that he's really for you, not against you. Amen. Imagine all the things he could do for you. I bet you it didn't even enter the heart of, of Mephibosheth what God was getting ready to do for him. But you and, I, you and I have the benefit now of being on the other side of that story and knowing that same God. How do you know he's no respecter of persons? He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he loves you too. Say, he loves me too. Too many Christians see themselves or imagine themselves sick, broke, disgusted, you know, absolutely defeated without any kind of hope, without kind of any, any direction in life. And God wants you to start cultivating what he says of you in that part of your life, in that soulish part of your life, because it makes a difference if you conceive it. If you never conceive the love of God, you'll never fully enjoy what he has for you. Amen. Amen. Push out those old things. Nothing ever good happens for me. I never have any breakthroughs. I never have any victories. Everybody else seems to have good things. And you've been imagining the worst for years. It's not going to happen overnight. But you have the ability to take control over what you are imagining. Imagine yourself successful. How poorly taught the body of Christ has been, they believe that somehow the imagination is evil. No, it's just used for evil purposes. I can take my hand and I can praise God with it. I can take my hand and help somebody who's hurting. I can lay my hand on somebody's back and pray for them. Or I can take my hand and take a life with it. I can take my imagination and use it for evil and manifest evil because of that imagination. Or I can use my imagination to what? To see what God said I could be, I can have, and I can do. Amen. And each person has to do that. And be careful when you go down this path that you make sure you understand your imagination needs to line up with the Word of God. Not some man's philosophy, not some man's book, but you need to make sure it lines up with what did God say. Everybody is familiar now with the name of Dr. Youngie Cho who absolutely pastored and he's home with Jesus now, the largest church in the history of recorded history in Christianity. It's height about 1.4, 1.5 million people going to one church. I mean, oh, that's a challenge for the ushers. 
Man, that's a lot of sheep droppings, isn't it? <laughs> Multiple services packed out. Glory to God. There's a bunch of servants over there. It's not just one preacher. And in post-war Korea, uh, there was nothing for anybody. In poverty, infrastructure is destroyed. Everything is chaos. What God has done in Korea is a miracle when you see how fast it was done. A miracle. What drove that miracle? People like Dr. Cho who dared to imagine and believe God. He began to tell his family, well, I'm, I'm going to have a bed. I'm going to have a bed to sleep. And you say, that's just ridiculous. Even in America today, kids don't have beds. Are you hearing my saying to you? He's going to have a bed. And guess what? He imagined himself having a bed, praying and seeking God, and imagined himself living in the bed that he asked God for. And you know what happened? He got a bed. Then he began to imagine himself riding around on a brand new bicycle, getting from A to B, A to B. He would, pray. He would tell people this, and they would laugh at him. That's why you should be careful telling people what you're dreaming about. But if you can find a few faith people to agree with you, amen? Instead of making fun of him as a boy like so many did, get a hold of his hands and say, I agree with you in Jesus' name. That bike is coming in your hands in Jesus' name. That's why Americans need to understand that wealth is relative. And he'd say it. He'd, imagine, he'd see himself getting on that bike, riding down the road on that bike, smile on his face, joy, amen. Absolutely walking with God and understanding what God can do. And guess what happened? He got that bike. And the same way he got that bed and the same way he got that bike is the same way he built a church of 1.5 million people. Because he understood I could use that incubator that is the imagination for the purposes of God or I could use it for evil. Here's my point. You use your imagination every day. You just don't control it every day. Amen. Some of us are very good at imagining the worst and then surprised when we get it. No, imagine the best. Imagine God's love acting towards you to pursue you, to deliver you, and to restore you. Say that God's love is pursuing me, restoring me, and delivering me. Say He's pursuing me. He is delivering me. He is restoring me. Now, not just conceive the love, you need to believe the love. Believe what God says when he says he loves you. First John 4, 16, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Turn us to mind and tell him, we've got to believe that he loves us. Say, so we have to believe that he loves us. Some think it means nothing more than hope or speculation. Some think it means intellectual or mental assent to a set of facts. But this Greek word, pastuo, actually means be convinced of something. Be convinced that God loves you. Let me say it again. You've got to be convinced that He loves you. To personally accept or appropriate something as true. To believe in the heart no matter what your head tells you or the heads of others tell you. Have you lived long enough to know that your heart can tell you one thing and your head can tell you another? You don't believe in your head. You believe in your heart. And you say with your mouth, are you here today? Your head can go off in some direction, not acknowledging, not believing God, but you can believe in your heart what you have conceived 
but it ultimately is a decision. Say, I choose to believe that God loves me. You stay on that long enough, it's going to drive out that spirit of insecurity. It's going to drive out that poor mouthing thing going on in your life. It's going to drive out that inferiority complex. It'll never make you arrogant and proud, but it will elevate you to what God actually thinks about you. Well, listen, think about you. He loves you. <laughs> uh, the demonstration of God's love didn't stop at the cross. It's still going. Amen. Believe that God's love is demonstrated to you and that he's still pursuing, delivering, and restoring people. Say, he's doing this to me. You got to believe it as well as conceive it. Number three, you need to receive that love. It's very interesting when you talk about receiving. A lot of people have a hard time understanding this, but write this down. When you hear the word receive, it actually means take. Look at somebody and say, receiving means to take. If I, if I come over here and ask my brother, would, would you like a book by Rick Renner? And I hold up my hand, what's he going to do? Take it. Okay, take it. <laughs> what's he doing? He's taking it with what? Go ahead. All right, it's yours now. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I go over here and I, I say to my sister, I said, uh, would you like to have this? I'll take it. That didn't take it very long. Amen? Figure out. <laughs> Said, I'll take it. That's exactly what we hear in Mark chapter 11 when it comes to receiving from God. You conceived it in your heart through a holy, sanctified imagination. You believed it. Amen. By choice, I believe that God loves me. And now I take it. And that's exactly what you do. You take the demonstration of God's love. You take the demonstration of God's love. There is one vital point that I was supposed to make today and there's a follow-up point to that. I rarely have things packaged so specifically for a specific service, but somebody here needs to hear this. And how many know I got hearing ears? You got hearing ears out there? It's just outstanding to me when he does this. But I'm praying about the service, you know, I'm praying about what he wants to do. And he breaks in the other day and he says, tell those people I love them. Your God has personally broken into this service to tell you that he loves you. And we're not talking about he has warm fuzzies towards you. He intends to what? Release action in your direction. Deliverance in your direction. Restoration in your direction. Things that are broke, things that are missing, things that are messed up. He loves you. He's just coming by today. These preachers are just servants. Just coming by to say, hey, Hope Harbor people and those online, I love you. Tell those people to I love them. What's my job? To tell you. Yes. I hope it resonates on the inside of you that God loves you. So-and-so mistreated you, a parent, a grandparent, a relative, a sibling. That's fine and dandy, but God loves you. You had a rough upbringing, the wrong side of the tracks, things went wrong for you, you had health issues, financial setbacks. God loves you. 
Not God loves the other person on the other side of the church or in the other church on the other side of town. He loves you. Listen to me. If you're in this service today, you're here by divine appointment for God to tell you personally he loves you. Now take it. Come on, say it. I take it. Put your hands out there and say, I take it. You conceive it in the, in the imagination. You believe it in the heart. Unless you receive it. And here's how God described this to me. Stand up for just a moment. And you can bring your book with you. <laughs> when I gave that to him, he did what? He reached out with his hand and his arm. And he took it. In the physical world, we take things with our arms and our hands. In the spirit realm, you take things with your words. Your words do the heavy lifting in the spirit realm. Your words take the things that God has told you you could have. In the physical realm, I need my physical arm and my hand. But in the spirit realm, my words go out and grab the things that God said I could have. It's so important to get a hold of this because when you're in the middle of some faith battle, you need to keep your word on what did God say. He's not a liar. You say nothing but what God says in that situation. You're in a physical battle, you take that healing. How do I do it? How do I get my arms and my hand around that healing? You don't. You take it with your words. The mouth is the instrument for the dominion in the spirit realm. You take it with what you say. Why? God loves me. God loves me, so I'm just going to go ahead and take some healing in Jesus' name. Amen. God loves me, so I'm just going to go ahead and take some deliverance in Jesus' name. God loves me, so I'm going to go ahead and take some provision in Jesus' name. God loves me, so I'm going to go ahead and take some direction in Jesus' name. Not with my arms, not with my hands, but with my words. Say, I'm taking the things of God's love, His demonstration, I'm taking them with my words. And too often, unfortunately, our words are stout against God. Amen. Have you ever heard the phrase, if you want the cat, don't call the dog? <laughs> it's really that simple. <laughs> It's about you find out what God said about something with a foundation of how much he loves you and staying on it and don't come off of it. What would motivate you to stay on something like that? Because you know he loves you. That he loves me somehow, some way, somehow, some way, healing is coming. You say, well, what if I'm reaching out with the arms in the spirit, my mouth and my words and my tongue, and I die? You die happy. Okay. Absent from the body. Present with the Lord. Amen. Somebody strike up the band because there's a party in your heart. Hallelujah, with Jesus. And I promise you, you're not sitting up there. Gee, I got second best. Heaven is not a booby prize. It's not like today where you have kids in a soccer league and they all get a medal. 
Well, I guess I have to go to heaven. No, you get to go to heaven. <laughs> but while you're on this earth, you need to apply the love of God and all that it offers so you can accomplish your purpose in this earth. Stay here long enough to do what you're assigned to do. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. He loves you. You find out what his word says, you just get real disciplined and diligent. If everybody else is talking nonsense and talking unbelief and talking crossways with the word of God, you just stay on it. Why? Because he loves you. Because you're going to take something with your mouth. Amen. You're going to take something. The way our brother took that book with his arms and his hand, the way you do this in the spirit realm is with the words of your mouth. Say, I take, I take things, things in the spirit realm with the words of my mouth. If I'm not talking, I'm not taking. If I'm talking the wrong thing, I'm not taking. So say, I conceive the love of God in my imagination. I don't see him as my enemy. I don't see God as my problem. I don't see God as holding out on me. I see God as my answer. I believe in my heart what I have conceived. I believe he loves me. Some way, somehow, he's moving in this situation. And what I believe, I receive. I take it with the words of my mouth in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. God loves you. Amen. It's very rarely that I get a, a one-line message from God. Some of you are like, yeah, you ought to try it sometime. <laughs> what are you laughing at over there, Wes? <laughs> You know as well as I do, I came by it honestly. <laughs> Tell them. Tell them. That's a command. Tell them that I love them. Come on, stand on your feet and just tell them back. I love you, God. Love on him today. <laughs>